We've got a lot of people with serious problems right now. A lot of people who need God's touch. But there's no greater resource than God's people joining together. Let's stand and lift our hearts together to the Lord. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that you are a great God and deserving of our praise. We thank you for the opportunity to worship today. And Father, we thank you that we can come together and join in your word and in song and in prayer. And Father, we present our petitions to you and we present our praise. And we thank you for all the prayers you've already answered. And we thank you for all the prayers that you will answer in the future. Father, we pray that you would strengthen and bless this church family and may we always seek to honor and praise you and we'll give you all the glory for all the things that you do and we ask it all in the name of Jesus Amen you may be seated If you enjoyed the music this morning, give them another round of applause, will you please? It's an important part of our worship, and uh, it would be hard to imagine worship without music. Also want to thank our Gideon friends and encourage you to support them they not only work for God's glory, but they cover all their own expenses and truly have a ministry that God has blessed through the years and will continue to bless. It's good to share with you this morning. I'll be wrapping up a series I started on August the 14th, 2011. <laughs> so it only took three years and three days. Actually, I feel a lot of pressure this morning. So, I don't know. Tom Klaus told me he had to leave early today. Got to go to Kokomo for lunch. I really don't mind him slipping out, but he has never left early before, and I'm just afraid if he leaves, half the congregation will follow him. <laughs> so he has my permission to leave and just let him go. You know. Von Call's waiting for me to confess another problem at the food pantry. 
Vaughn, I didn't have any. I've only been there once since April, and that was to drop off a check, and you don't get in trouble dropping off checks. Honestly, though, I did get in trouble at the Willow West Restaurant in Salina. So embarrassing. I thought I'd make a good illustration, but my wife said I cannot talk about it from the pulpit. So if, if you have time, stop by at fellowship time and I'll, I'll tell you about it. I want you to turn to second or first Peter chapter five for our study this morning. First Peter chapter five. And Peter is wrapping up his letter to the churches in Asia Minor. And this is the Apostle Peter who Christ prophesied would become a rock. Disciplined by years of suffering and trials and strengthened by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to believers throughout Asia Minor, both Jew and Gentile. A people who had experienced a lot of suffering. There were churches that were, had been founded by the Apostle Paul, but they lived in a day and in a culture that being a Christian was a dangerous thing to do, and they had experienced a lot of suffering. And Peter is sending them a message of encouragement and instruction and also of warning. And in so doing, he's obeying at least two specific commands of Jesus. One was to encourage and strengthen believers. And two, to feed the flock of God. Now, I didn't give you any handouts today because you actually only have to remember three words. But they are important. Three words. So if you're like me, you can write them in the margin of your Bible or you can write them on your bulletin or wherever, but I want you to remember. But just three words. There's three sections of this final chapter that Peter is writing to the churches, and the first is to the elders, and the second is to the young men of the congregation, and the third is to the entire congregation of these various churches. So let's look at the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. This is from the New International Version. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, 
not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Peter says to the elders among you, and that's not a term that we use very much today, but in the list of the various classifications of pastors that it, that's in our United Brethren Discipline, there's about six different categories. And the highest one is ordained elder. It's a pastor who has completed his education and gone through ordination, and he is considered to be an elder. Well, I think Peter was writing to pastors and other leaders in these various churches that he was writing to. And I don't think it has to be limited to pastors. I look at it as he is speaking to everyone in the church who has a position of authority or responsibility, some kind of ministry within the church. And that takes in not just pastors, but a lot of other people. A lot of jobs to do, a lot of positions to fill. So to those who have, who had responsibility within the churches, Peter is writing this letter. And his message to them is one as a fellow elder, and he says, a witness of Christ's suffering. Peter was there. He saw it happen. It was a tough time. You remember his denial and the torment he must have experienced when he realized how much he had failed Jesus. But he witnessed it all, and now he's writing to believers as one who not only witnessed the suffering, but he says will also share in the glory to be revealed. So he's writing with that sense of hope and assurance that better days are coming. And his word to the leaders of the churches was simple. Be shepherds of God's flock. Be shepherds of God's flock. And he's reminding them and reminding us that Christian leaders are servants, not masters. Servants to those God has assigned to their care. A godly model for believers. Remember, Jesus had instructed Peter to feed my lambs, 
take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter is continuing with that theme, and he says to those in positions of leadership, be shepherds, be good shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And Peter emphasizes how the elders should ex exercise their oversight. He said, not because you must, but because you're willing. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then he concludes his message to the leaders by saying, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You know what? I don't think we have a clue as to how glorious that's going to be. And I think that's understandable. God's glory is going to be so much greater than anything that we have ever experienced or imagined that's just going to blow us away. You wait and see. When I read this, it gave me a sense of peace about something. <clears throat> I mean, I've read it a lot of times before, but the neat thing about God's Word is you can read it a thousand times and it'll speak to you a thousand times. Have you noticed that? You don't get it all the first time, or the second, or the third. <laughs> you never exhaust it. But I've thought a lot about the people of our church family that helped us so much a year ago. And we truly appreciate all your prayers. And we know you were praying because we could feel it. And we had God's peace throughout everything that happened. But I've always felt a little guilty about the six families that really put themselves out to be there for us. Six families from the church that went beyond just the prayers and words of support. And we tried to thank them, but, you know, how do you really do that? And then I read this and realized their reward comes from a lot better source than me. The chief shepherd. 
the chief shepherd will reward them. As he will all of us who serve him and give him the glory. Now that's the first part. The second part is short and sweet. And it's addressed to the young men of the churches. Now, in that culture, that was normal. In our culture, I think it could be men and women both. Because we look at women's role a little differently today than they did back then. But to the young people, verse 5 said, In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. what he said I don't know how politically correct that is today but Peter thought it was pretty important and he doesn't explain himself he just says it there it is young people in the same way be submissive to those who are older and it Thinking about that reminded me of how important it is in the family of God to have people of all ages. Now, it's really, really neat to see the, the babies in the congregation. They're a lot more inter interesting than the fossils. But we need all ages. And you never outlive your usefulness if you are of a mind to worship and praise God. There is always a ministry, regardless of how young or old you are, if you are willing. Because God has blessed all of us with spiritual gifts. And God's church family needs everybody. And we're all important. And we're all needed. And he loves us all. That's the second part. The third part is to everybody. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and he quotes from Proverbs, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. A call to humility. And you know what? Unfortunately, Christians are not immune to the sin of pride. You realize that? In fact, I think we may be prime targets because we do ministry because we know it's important and because we love God and we love people and we pour ourselves into it. 
and we give it our best and we work hard and we have high standards and on and on and on and on and pretty soon there's a danger that it becomes my church, my ministry, my commission, my class, my, 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 and it's not. It's his. Peter understood that. He said, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. And I think for anyone who really takes Christian service seriously, pride is a temptation. So it's good for us to be brought down to earth once in a while. That happened to me not too long ago. I was visiting my uh, mom out at Shane Hill. She's in the Alzheimer's unit at Shane Hill. And the, the people out there are so nice and the nurses and the aides and all that. Except... I was, I was out there the other day talking to mom and this nurse came in that I'd not seen before, hadn't talked to, and she said, oh, you're Helen's brother, aren't you? <laughs> Come on. She's going to be 93 in October. <laughs> but see what pride will do to you? See, my wife is so encouraging and so supportive. She always tells me that when I start whining about getting old, oh, you, you don't look that old, she said. In fact, when I turned 73 last May, she said, Mark, you don't look a day over 72. <laughs> so I got put in my place and just reminded me that it's not what I do. If you get anything out of today, give glory to God. Because it's not me. But He is able. And we serve a great God. And we need to keep, keep our minds focused on Him. Humility is simply an awareness of the greatness of God. And then he says in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that verse really spoke to me. I mean, we've, we've all heard that verse a thousand times. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard to let go and let God carry the anxiety. I've always struggled with that. And when I read, read it this week, I noticed it says, cast your cares. It's an active process. 
It's something we do. We don't just assume that God knows and that God will take care of it. We have to ask him. We have to give him our anxieties and our problems. We have to take the initiative to say, God, help me. And he will. We've, we've got to get involved. We've got to say it. We've got to, we've got to take some action. You know, it's it's, it's kind of like You've heard the old story about the, the lady who was lamenting to her friends that her husband never told her he loved her. Just day after day, week after week, just took her for granted. And finally someone confronted him and said, Sir, what your wife would really like to hear you say that you love her. And he said, well... I don't understand that. He said, when we got married, I told her I loved her, and I never took it back. <laughs> Let's don't just assume that God takes care of our anxieties. Let's ask him. Let's talk to him. Let's, let's take the initiative to put our cares and our burdens on him because he cares for us. But we still have to do our part. Peter is warning all of them, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Satan is real, he's dangerous, he's relentless. But Peter said, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Three words. Number one, be shepherds. If you have any kind of responsibility within the God's church, be good shepherds. Be submissive to those who are older or wiser or more experienced or whatever, but respect the knowledge and the faith that other people have. And finally, Peter says, be humble. God is great, and we need to acknowledge him. Worship team.